What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope that you had time to say everything you're grateful for, that you had time to spend with your family, and that you had a time to eat. Our players this week are William Nelson, the victim, and Omaima Nelson, our murderess. Omaima was born in Cairo, Egypt in 1968. Her father was very abusive and her family was extremely poor. They were farmers by trade, but it was hard for them to make ends meet. When Omaima was seven years old, she was taken to the, to the women in the village and her clitoris was cut off. Yep, we're jumping right into it. This female genitalia mutilation. This left her extremely scarred, like... When you do that, it's sex becomes uncomfortable at absolute best, extremely painful at worst. So it's like this way of trying to shy women away from sexual activity. And because a lot of places still believe that sex is only right. A lot of people still believe that sex should only be pleasurable for men, which is bullshit. Crazy. Then her parents got divorced. And her mom moved her to a different place in Cairo, and it was called the City of the Dead because there were just so many graveyards there. It was the slums. It was like the poorest part of the city. And this is where she grew up. Right. So eventually she meets an American oil worker when she's about 18 years old and they fall in love or whatever. And our family is like, oh, yeah, you should marry him because American man with money. Hello. Um, He's got a good job. And this is her ticket out. So she was no longer, she was also no longer a virgin. So her parents were like, look, this is your only hope of getting love and finding a man because who is really going to, what like wholesome Muslim man is really going to want you. So once his oil contract ends in Egypt, he takes up his new bride and they move all the way to Texas in 1986. And like I said, Omaima was 18 years old at the time and the two's marriage only lasted a very short amount of time before they were divorced and Omaima was alone in America with essentially nothing like you came with this man you hardly know the language you're pretty much out here really on your own she needed to learn to survive and one of the ways that she was able to do that is through men though she wasn't technically a sex worker um she would be out at the bars and she would be like all right it's time to go find the next sugar daddy it's time to go find the next boyfriend so she was bopping from place to place and eventually she ended up in orange county california um apparently she was really good at playing pool like billiards (laughs) so that was an amazing way to start conversations at the bars and kind of get get guys' attention. She was very beautiful, so it was very easy for, you know, eyes to wonder to her because she's gorgeous. We'll post a picture of her, but, like, I feel yeah. like people get surprised when we post some of the murderess and they're like, oh, she's pretty. And I'm like, just because you're pretty doesn't mean you can't commit a heinous crime. <laughs> no, she she was, like, really pretty. Uh <laughs> definitely modeling she probably really should have just just put her foot heavy on that because she had the body for it and everything right so um when she started meeting with these men 
and finding these new boyfriends, she also started wrapping, racking up some theft charges. So she was, she was doing petty theft from stores, but she's also was stealing from the men. So, okay. She was doing some nanny work, some modeling gig work, and she never got a chance to have a huge modeling career because she was really at the beginning stages of her modeling career. I think she did like a couple of department store photo shoots, nothing crazy, but that was essentially her dream. So one day in 1989, she was confronted at a department store for shoplifting. And when the two female security guards went to attack her uh, tackle her because she was running out she starts fighting them back and bites one of the uh, security guards titties and grabs her in the crotch and so the security guards like she tried to bite off my titty and so she spent a couple which is wild because i can't imagine somebody coming to me and biting me first of all you're in the wrong and you're gonna bite me on my titty you you animal that's why like i really i've I think I work retail for a very short amount of time, but if somebody's trying to steal, I promise you I'm going to let them. I promise you I'm going to let them. Because I'm not going to get my titty. That ain't my fight to have. <laughs> exactly. I just don't care that I just work here. That is all. Right. So she also was like dating these guys and she would ask them for money, try to get money off of them. And then if they wouldn't give it to her, she would like steal their car. So she was getting up some grand theft charges as well because these guys were like, uh, yeah, I was hooked up with this girl and she stole my vehicle. So <laughs> crazy. So in 1990, she had a new boyfriend at the time. His name was Robert Hansen. He was an old white man because that seemed to be her type. You know, she was really young, beautiful, old white men that had money. That was her type. He was kind of trying to, you know, take care of her. But the big thing, he was like, I got the money, but I want the sex. Like, I want the punani. So she'd ask him for money. So one day she asked him for money and he was like, you want money? What you going to do for it? So then she like does her little sexy dance or whatever. She's like, oh, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do for it. She ties him up. Ties is like you know his head and feet like oh we about to get kinky up in here so he gets real excited she's, she's a wild like, one <laughs> right she's like oh daddy i'm gonna show you what i'm gonna do for you and as soon as he's tied up she pulls out a gun and she's like give me some damn money okay so his hands were tight so tight of course he couldn't do anything but finally he gets one arm released he's able to kind of fight her off uh, she gets the money because she got it while he was tied up. She leaves and he doesn't really tell anybody. He doesn't report this because he's kind of shamed. Like, did I? Was this a kink thing? Shamed and confused. I, yeah, he was shamed and confused. Like, is this a kink thing? Did I just get robbed? Did I like, <laughs> like it? Was this like, part so, of the, was right, part of like, the agreement? Like, I don't, I don't, we didn't have that um, safe sex conversation beforehand and I'm kind of embarrassed, but also turned on. So I don't know. So he never really reported it, but Omaima was out here basically getting exactly what she wanted from these niggas at all times. Excuse me. These old white men at all times. And I mean, <laughs> bravo. So finally in October, 1991, she found the man of her dreams. His name was Bill Nelson. William Nelson. I don't know why y'all think that a BNW white people. I don't know why y'all think BNWs are interchangeable letters. I don't know how William goes to Bill, but yeah, Bill Nelson. He was fifty six years old. He was like six four. He weighed two hundred and forty pounds. Like he, he's a big fella. <laughs> um, 
a good Texas man too. They said like, think of a Texan white Texas white man, and this is your guy. Like big belt buckle, flashy dresser, like he, he, everything's better in Texas, bigger and better in Texas. That was him. Yeah, you know the great country of Texas. They be getting it. <laughs> it's its own country, the great country of Texas. Yes. <laughs> he had five children, 17 grandchildren. He was a pilot in 1984. But then he kind of had to do a four-year bid in prison because he was using a plane to smuggle weed different places. Good try. Good try. He really he got tried caught. It. Very much. He really tried it. Um, so then according to the blog, all things interesting, he began working after he got out of prison, he began working for a place called Cannon Mortgage. His personally personality was just as big as he was. And even though he was 33 years, her senior, the two fell in love quickly and they were quite smitten with one another. They were described as acting as two teenagers in love all the time. And after he had only known her for a month. Now this is some people heard saying four days. Some people are saying a month. Some people are saying two weeks. It was Not a, a lot very of time. short amount of time. Very short amount of time. I'm thinking it's a month at max, but I've heard as short as four days. But he was like, come with me on a trip. We're going to go to Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas. We're going to see my family and my friends. We're going to have a nice little road trip, right? She was like, yeah. On the way, they stopped in Phoenix, Arizona and got married. I heard he said, I don't want to be with you if we ain't together together. Like, I need a commitment. And she was like, all right, <laughs> you got it. That's crazy because, like, I have been with people that are like, look, I'm not here for the messing around games. I want a commitment. But they're not automatically putting a ring on my finger. <laughs> like, you know, what? like, it's just like, hey, we're not doing the bullshit talking stage. We're going to be together. We're going to figure it out. And I can respect that. But you can't just automatically put some a ring on somebody in a month in my opinion because let me there are people we've seen it on the internet of people that have been together for a month and got married and live happily ever after just not my ministry no same 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 i don't trust that shit this is like one of the earlier stops on the road trip so they finally get to where his family's at and he's like kids meet your stepmom you know and some of his kids are older than her like real Akko situation the kids they were like we're hesitant at first because who's this young ass bitch coming in my daddy's life um trying to play stepmama to me so then they went horseback riding then Omaima gets bucked off a horse right and they're like oh we should take you to the hospital and get you looked out at get you looked at and she's like mm, I'm gonna be all right just give me a shot of vodka and an aspirin and I'm gonna keep it moving and they was like oh this girl damn, damn. It's like, okay, you're a little tough. You got a little gusto. Okay, you can sit with us. And they're like, we'll give her a chance, you know, see what she's about. You know what the problem is? They probably thought to be like, like especially especially back in high school, I know people would be so shocked because you just had hair out the ass. And you're such a tomboy. <laughs> it just, everybody that listens to this podcast knows me as being bald headed. I'm a bald bitch. I know, now. but Mariah had inches, 24 inches from the scalp. And she was a pageant girl. And so she would go from looking so pretty to sweatpants and a bun on top of her head. And people <laughs> be like, Mariah? 
is that you? <laughs> it was so funny when I was running for homecoming queen because I would think I looked like shit that day. And I was like, I'm a, they were like, oh, Mara, I thought you were running for homecoming queen. I said, y'all catch me at the game. Came at the game. Bam. It was like, oh, my God. That is still my favorite dress you've ever worn. Ooh, if only it fit. Um, <laughs> so they're newlyweds or whatever, and they're going up. They're getting ready for their first Thanksgiving. Remember, they met at the beginning of October. So November's right around the corner. It's time for their very first Thanksgiving. To the outside eye, people thought that they were very much in love. Um, there was this woman, her name was Sue, and she was like, you know, the couple, they were quiet and mysterious, but they acted like they were teenagers in love. Um, so it's about two months. It's like a two-month wedding anniversary, and one of Bill's stepdaughters I think calls, it's like a two months of knowing each other anniversary. <laughs> and I think like- it's both. <laughs> <laughs> two months of either being married or knowing each other one or the other one or the other um and bill's stepdaughter calls us like hey what are y'all doing for thanksgiving or and she's like oh you know i'm doing this and third i'm going out i'm going to be with my friends whatever the hell she was doing um you know maybe a plate or whatever i'll swing by you know everybody makes that says that lie and he says okay cool well we're we're doing the turkey we're doing the trimmings we're going to be you know cranberry sauce peas all the good stuff She's like, okay, I'll catch y'all later. So Thanksgiving happens. And that evening, the evening of Thanksgiving, Bill was trying to, you know, get freaky deaky with his woman. And she was kind of like, nah, I'm tired. Nah, I don't want to do that. And so he, according to her, he ties up Omaima and forces himself onto her. So he's like trying to force so he's trying to like do anal he's trying to force her to have oral sex and she's like no this is not happening so she finally gets a arm loose and she gets a lamp and whop hits him right over the head she breaks the, the lamp over his head next thing you know the lamp breaks so she goes and she gets an iron a steam iron and she starts beating him with that and upside his head the steam iron eventually breaks and she's like okay i gotta go get the next thing so she finds a pair of scissors and she stabs him multiple times Whew. from there omaima says that she completely does not remember. Three days later, she comes to and she sees that the apartment is messed. And she's like, okay, I need to um, get a friend to help me because I have no idea what just happened in this apartment for the past three days while I was blacked out. She runs and she knocks on the friend of her of her friend jose so first when she knocks on his door he's like who is this in a red car outside of my house don't know who you are he goes back to bed she leaves and she comes back again and she's banging on her door and he's on his way out he sees him. he's like oh hey i do know you what's up and she's like oh my gosh oh my goodness i need help my husband my husband's doing me wrong beating me treating me mistreating me and so he's like okay what do you need she's like look he scratched me on my chest i think i killed him and i just need help getting rid of the body i have his head and he's got those dentures i need help getting rid of everything i need help getting rid of the body and he's looking like whoa <laughs> whoa this she's is like, a lot because she's like <laughs> we haven't even spoken a while a friend is actually a strong it, word <laughs> right friend is okay because listen some sources say that she dated him but some other sources say that she didn't actually date him she dated one of his friends so this is like a di- distant lover she don't know this nigga for real period and so she's like don't worry i just need your truck and his insurance is going to come in and i will give you seventy five thousand dollars so he's like okay okay seventy five thousand dollars let me run and go get my truck and you stay right here 
and I'll be back. I'm gonna go get my truck. And she's like, okay, good. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. And he goes, he finds a payphone, and he calls the police and he's like, hey, there's this woman over at my house. She's telling me she killed her husband. What I'm not gonna do is be implicated in no type of crime. So this is my address. Come on, round up and go get her. Because this is a whole lot of not my problem, right? <laughs> so the police quickly show up and they get to the house and they're talking to Omaima and she's like, what a crazy story y'all are telling me. Why is that, Why would I kill my husband? <laughs> you know, of course I've never killed him. She's like, Bill's down in Florida on business trip, you know. And then the police, they can see, like, ma'am, you're obviously upset. You've got some bruising and some scratching on you. Like, tell us what happened. We also hear that you were raped, you know, because she's telling Jose, you know, my husband raped me, and that's why I had to kill him, right? She was like, we hear you're raped. Are you okay? She's like, I'm fine. I don't need your help. I'm I'm okay. Nothing's wrong, right? So they're like, okay, well, would you mind if we go check out your car? So she's like, you know, sure, check the car. They go and they search her car, and... They open the truck. They open the trunk, and in the trunk, there are some leather duffel bags. Inside of the bags are plastic bags. Inside of the plastic bags are newspaper, and inside of the newspaper are organs. <laughs> They're like, "What the fuck is this shit?" It's like we almost couldn't even identify. Like, is it human organs? Is it animals? Like, have you been hunting? What What is this shit? This is not what we were expected to find. They're like, we're going to need an investigator to come on the scene because this shit just got real. So the investigator comes and he confirms that these are, in fact, human organs. He's like, this lung right here, see all that black shit? That's a smoker's lung. Uh, But, yeah, these definitely belong to a person. So now they're like, the story of you killing your husband is starting to sound a little more real. Can you explain these organs in your body? She's like, you know what? Just the other day, I found two passports that were inside his house. Two women. They've got to be theirs. Oh, my gosh. I think my husband has done something. And he must, you know, this is my husband's car. <laughs> and he has must have killed these two women and have their organs back here because I have nothing to do with this. Right? She was like, he's been down on his business trip from Florida and he hasn't answered the phone for me. And he's always been a little abusive. So I guess... Him killing two women is not so far fetched, but you know, it maybe he's be. trying to escape the country. We don't know. We don't know. Y'all better go look for Bill, though. Police go to the apartment and they're like, We're going to do a welfare check on your husband. Um, she does not go with them. I think they, they took her to the hospital. It was like, You're not really opening up to us here, but we can see that you're, you're injured. We're going to take you to the hospital. We're going to get you checked out. We're going to get you a rape kit and all that, right? I take her to the hospital. The police go to the house. They knock on the door. Nobody answers. It's a case of murder. So they crack the window open. They bust the window open and they enter the house. And the house is a little junky. Apparently, Bill is in the tech shit. You know, people who like refurbish computers and redo them, they've got shit all over their house monitors here and and hard drives over there and stuff you know so the house there's like the house is junky and lived in but there's nothing suspicious going on right like we don't we don't see anything too too crazy there was like okay there was like the bed is made the dishes are washed in the sink there's no sign of anything going wrong at this house right so 
Then the police is like, wait a minute, is that blood over there? And they look on the deadbolt and they see some blood and they're like, all right, y'all, we, we really need to pay attention, like look closer. There's gotta be something going on here. So amongst all the computers, there's also plastic bags and garbage bags around. Leather bags, duffel bags, all of these bags everywhere, right? So they start to open them and it's like, oop, it's a leg and a foot. <laughs> They open up another one. They're like, ah, it's like some more chunks of meat over there. Like, is this body? We got bags of body around here? They see, they're like, oh, legs and feet. Oh, arms, no hands. Okay, okay, we're out here. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, we, let's, let's, let's keep looking. So then they go into the, the bedroom and they flip over the mattress. They pull back the sheets and they flip back the mattress and they're like, oh my God, this thing is soaked in blood. And when I say soaked in blood, the mattress to the box spring soaked through and through in blood there's blood all over it right then they're like okay this is this is fucking crazy so one of the cops is like hey rookie go outside and check the dumpster see if she threw the body out rookie comes back says i ain't see nobody but it's a whole lot of frozen food out there (laughs) it's a whole lot of trash in there so they go in the trash I mean, they go back in the house and they're like, okay, if there's frozen food in the dumpster, what's in the freezer, right? They open the freezer, they're like, mmm, frozen sausages, okay, hot dogs, okay, hmm, what's this in foil? They unwrap the foil, it's a head, but not just a head, it's a fried head. She has deep fried and put it in there, so it's almost unrecognizable. They're like, is this Bill? But nobody can tell because it's all crispy and shit. They go and they look in that fryer and it is fried hands and wrists and forearms. Then they go look at the turkey and there's some more body parts mixed in with the turkey. And they're like, what the fuck is going on here? It's probably the craziest crime scene they've ever seen, right? Their brain is whirling. They go to the bathroom. They find a skinned torso hanging from a hanger over the bathtub. Which is crazy. It's like gutting a pig. Like, there's this guy in um, Alaska that was a, a pig farmer, but he was gutting sex workers. And you hang them up. So it was like a t-shirt of flesh with no guts on the inside. That's crazy. And he's just hanging over the shower, or just his torso, rather. And so they're looking in the trash, and they're like, there was leftover turkey, but also it's not just turkey in this trash, like a whole lot of not turkey in this trash. A little bit too much cranberry sauce. You know, they dig in the freezer some more, you know, we just found a head in here. They're pushing some more stuff to the side. They also find a balled up thing of aluminum foil. They open that up. And it's his genitalia all up in there. Like, there are parts of this man all over the house. His blood is in the bedroom. His body's in the bathroom. His head and his nuts are in the freezer. His hands are in the fryer. Like, he is all over this place. So they take the contents out of the garbage and um, out of the house and they take it off to the lab of course which it looks like it may be a simple thanksgiving dinner the head the genitalia the skin torso the footed the footed legs the head the handless arms the guts everything they're taking it all to the crime all the usual (laughs) all the the usual usual right right because at this point they they still they're like okay yeah we see male genitalia but you really can't tell 
who any of these body parts belong to. Is it one person? Is it two people? Yeah, there may be a male here, but how long has this ball sack been in the freezer, right? So right the police take Omaima down to the station they're like okay girl it's time to go in for questioning and they try to talk to the neighbors as they do and one of the neighbors is like yo I don't know what was going on I did hear a little bit of arguing but sis has been running that garbage disposal for days and they're like really she's like yes you know you know the grinding of a garbage disposal like you can only stand that sound for the moment that you dispose of whatever you're disposing of after that it's got that grindy sound that nobody likes to hear and so her neighbors were like we were you afraid of the garbage disposal as a kid i was told that my hand went in it's like (laughs) i was told if i put my hand in it then that it would chop off so i've always been weary of the garbage disposal so i don't want i i like all my limbs i want my arms to have hands on them um so they were like yo that disposal was going for going crazy for days so the police are all right well we'll keep that in mind so meanwhile down at the station omaima is being questioned and sis has not sat down once she's like pacing the investigation room she's pacing back and forth she's speaking in third person she's telling them that there are voices in her head that were telling her what to do and she's telling them that she's like my husband he's not dead he's in florida on a business trip i keep trying to tell y'all and detectives are like so what about your friend what about what your friend jose said he said that you confessed everything to him she's like what first of all Jose don't even know what he talking about. He not even my friend like that. And he don't ask it. Like he be tripping ass all the time. So you can't even take his word because he is an unreliable source. I am telling you, my husband is alive and well in, in Florida, but he may have murdered somebody. Like we need to be looking for him. Okay. So the detectives are like, how did these organs end up in your car? And she's like, listen, it's my husband's car. How would I know? Bill was a bad man he was abusive to me I keep like she's like I already told you this he was abusive to me he tried to rape me and I'm I would not be surprised if he tried to do it to other women like what what's not clicking detectives and they're like okay go through the story again and she's like okay he tried to rape me he said I said no please don't tie me up and he said he sat on me, his big ass sat on me, on my shoulders like this. And I, I, he was on my chest. I couldn't breathe. He tied me down. And they're like, girl, you hardly have any defensive wounds. She's got a couple of cuts here and there, you know, a couple, of, a little bit of bruising, but nothing really consistent with defensive wounds. And one of the main things, especially if you were tied up forcefully and amateurishly, which I'm assuming they were, you're more than likely going to have bruising on your ankles and your wrist because people don't know how to tie you up properly so the police they like we said they went and at this time she her rape kit was already done and her rape kit actually came back negative for any um foreign dna as well as there was no swelling so even so i was trying to understand how these rape kits work they can't the rape kits can only give you so much information they can only give you so much yeah and they can tell you that there was dna but also they can like test how much swelling is in your vaginal walls so that they can kind of predict how long it's been since the last time that you were penetrated because i mean even consensual sex can cause swelling if it's rough or whatever so they were like, there's no swelling inside of you at all to even suggest that you've had sex in the past three days. So they're like, we don't even like, according to the rape kit that they gave, they were like, girl, there's nothing here. And which is kind of like, uh, rape kits, rape kits can only tell you so much. You know what I'm what saying? What if he had a little and, penis? 
or even like her husband was trying to rape her or attempting to rape her and that could be like you know forceful trying to force him to give her head and everything there's other ways you know what i'm saying and it's just a rape kit can really just only tell you so much it can only tell you so much and they'll come back negative sometimes and give you 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 false negatives and it's just it's not the best and most definitive way to tell what's happened to a woman right i think the only i feel like the only time that it's extremely helpful is when there is actual dna and you can extract that other than that it's really it's it's like all other testing it's hearsay and it's science and science can and science yes can be proven but also there are so many variables that can give a false positive or a false negative amongst the right variables and the right circumstances yes and i think also another problem with rape kits is like they're looking for this dna it's rape especially in this time we're in the 90s right Mm -hmm. so like you also have the issue of crying rape against your husband because women are property and don't have any rights right right and she was also raised that way you know like in a very male dominated lifestyle it did not take long for the body parts to come back and be tested to say yeah this is this is definitely bill (laughs) they also got her results from the hospital in addition to her rate kit being negative they said the scratches and stuff on her arm was consistent with scars that you might have from cutting up a body so they're like listen to my mom i have to lay it out real plain for you We've got this, 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 and this, you know? <laughs> We've got his body parts. We've got his DNA on the body parts. We've got your negative right kid. We've got your your wounds that are consistent with you chopped him up. So you want to tell us a, a different story, or are we going to keep playing this game? She says, I have a confession. They're like, okay, we're listening. She said, okay, this is what happened for real. No, she says, I tied him. He tied me up, right? He was trying to rape me. He had me tied up to the bed. And I was telling him, no, stop. I don't want this. I don't want this. And I think her biggest issue was what? He wanted anal sex. And she was like, she can't do that. And that was she right. Said? She, she it, the biggest thing was like anal and oral because she was like, that's so degrading. And I think that it was kind of a cultural thing. Yeah, and she was like, in the way he did it, in the way he talked to her when he did it, she was like, it was just so degrading. And I told him, I didn't want that. I didn't want that. And he was like, it's happening. She's like, so he tied me up. And I'm just telling him, no, no, I don't want this. And finally, I get my hand free. So I get my hand free and I grab the next closest thing, which is a limp. That's when I hit him outside the head with a limp. You know, he's still going. And I just, at this point, I'm fighting for my life. And I just grabbed the scissors. I just grabbed the scissors and I stabbed him and I, I don't know what happened. I, she was like, but, but it also wasn't really my fault because the voices in my head told me to do it. I said, ma'am, voices in your head? She said, yes, yeah, I have ancient Egyptians in my head telling me that I have to get rid of this man and I have to chop up his body and I didn't want to do it. They wanted me to do it. And they're like, uh, she says, I need help. I need a psychiatrist. So at that point, they're like, all right, interview's over. You know, can't say anything more. We got to get her a psychiatrist. Right. So um, I guess that's also something you can ask for. So Bill's body, of course, was completely mangled. There were so many cuts, so many stab wounds. He was gutted. There was bruising on his ankles and wrists that were consistent of being tied up. Remember those bruising that they were looking for on Omaima? They found them on his um, limbs that they could 
recover. Yeah, those they were consistent with being tied up. And the cuts were so good that they were like, no, like this just couldn't have been her first time cutting up somebody. Like there was a little bit too much precision in the cuts. It wasn't like if y'all are, y'all have been here forever, it wasn't like the Daphne Wright episode where she was just chainsaw cutting. Like there was a little <laughs> bit of like intention behind it. Then they're like, all right, Omaima, we got to level with you. We done weighed all these guts and body parts and everything that's happening. And we're missing about a hundred pounds, give or take, of him, according to the weight on his driver's license. You you know where I he like at? I think 130, almost yeah. half this, half this so man. She's like, he was all there. He was all there when I left. They're like, we're missing some pounds. And he was like, I don't know what to tell you. He's all there. They're like, ah, okay. So they go to, she goes to her court appointed psychiatrist and tells the same thing. The cutting, the voices, the ancestors, blah, 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 blah. But she admits that one of the days she dressed up in all red, red lipstick, red hat, red shoes, wear a dress, dressed to the nines. She dressed up while she was in the house. She took his ribs. She put them in the oven. She cooked them with barbecue sauce and she ate them. She tells the psychiatrist that her husband's ribs were sweet, just like I like them. This week's episode is brought to you by Natural Radiant Life. Y'all, the weather is changing, and if you're anything like me, no matter how hard I try, my skin just never seems to do what what I want it to do. It never acts right. That's why I am so excited about Natural Radiant Life. They use all nature-based products to breathe life into your skin. Y'all, this is a call to take care of yourself, to really Take care of yourself. You can set your profile up to automatically have your favorite products shipped directly to you without you even thinking about it, which is great for me because I always wait to the very last minute and then I'm out of product. Or you can search their extensive inventory to find exactly what your skin needs. They have clay. They have clay cleansing bars, toners, moisturizers, treatments, anything that you need. And there is something that will fulfill whatever your skin needs are. So support these three founders of this company, Rhonda Daniels, Lakeisha Gage, Woodard, and Sherry D. Fields. These three friends found a way to achieve their goals and leave everyone in their path feeling radiant. Use discount code SWK15 to get 15% off of your order. Visit naturalradiantlife.com to check out what they've got. And of course, all of their information will be in the description box below. Get your skin right, girl, and enjoy the show. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Streaming October 6th on Paramount+. Plus. first place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land. But come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead 
is better. Pet Cemetery Bloodline Rated R. Streaming only on Paramount Plus. Now I too Bottom like black. a sweet meat. <laughs> I'm not eating no human person's ribs. You know, I love my barbecue ribs. Barbecue ribs I love is my them. favorite food. That is my favorite food. I love sweet. You know, if I'm gonna get a barbecue sauce, you know I'm gonna add me a little brown sugar, a little extra stuff. I'm up telling in you, we'll it's got it to be the honey barbecue. But um that rib must come from a pig. <laughs> A pig. I don't even really fuck with beef ribs. They I don't, don't hit the beef. same. I they do not hit the same. I know we probably have some vegan listeners, and they probably do their right. jackfruit ribs. I'm so ribs. sorry. I'm so sorry that you had to hear us talking about how we devour this pork. But I want them pork ribs, and I want them sweet. Not yes. human, not beef. I want them pork. <laughs> not any other animal. So <laughs> this is like, oh my gosh, cannibalism. Like, admitted cannibalism. And like the Jeffrey Dahmer just, case just finished at this time. So they're like, oh shit. We just can't get a break from the crazies. So like these wild cases are starting to pop up. And so on February 21st, Omaima pleads not guilty to the charge of first degree murder. She's like, absolutely no way she didn't do it. So her and her attorneys gear up to go to one hell of a trial. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. So the trial begins on December 1st, 1992. And... When she came out, she wasn't giving sexy lingerie model anymore. You know, she was kind of looking like she had been through it. Like she, on, in February is when she pled not guilty. She's been in jail that entire time waiting for trial. So sis put on a couple pounds and not the crazy amount of weight. Her hair didn't look the same. She just wasn't giving everything that you saw in these sexy pictures of her. And one of the jurors said that she just looked sad. She looked like she had been through it and she had looked like she had been through so much. Of course, like after, after the case that we can see the juror's face, it was a nigga. And I just, he was like, Oh, I just think that she'd been through so much. So anyways, the prosecutors are like, look, this is going to be an easy trial. Let's go ahead and get in, get out, get this conviction. Let's go. And they were like, it's going to be easy. It's going to be a slam drunk. They have body parts, parts of the body parts, I guess. Evidence. They have a whole confession. They've got a psychiatrist. Um, they had witnesses that were there to talk about her past that showed that she was progressively getting violent, just like uh, Mr. Robert that she um, held at gunpoint. So he was there. And of course, you have the psychiatrist statement. And the courts are like, look, she's not actually crazy. She's trying to claim crazy. She's trying to been, she's been trying to do it from the very beginning. Look at these pictures of the couple while they're on vacation. They're happy. They're in love. Does this look like an abusive relationship to you? Which is like, what does that mean? I couldn't have a happy time in the midst of all this turmoil? Cause and that's how the abusive relationships work. It's best the believe good when times I was, that hold you on. When I was in an abusive relationship on the internet, we was happy. <laughs> Always happy in the pictures, right? Always happy What you gonna do, picture. post a bad picture? It's not something that people normally post, especially when... It's a relationship. It's something that you hide and it's something yeah. that like, you're shameful about. Nobody's sitting here advertising this or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you're going to go back I'm to the person. You. Like, oh, my mom, that was still her lifeline. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So especially if you you know that this is your lifeline, you know that this is somebody that you're going to go back to. You Because know, best believe when I was in that horrible relationship, I stopped telling my friends all the bad stuff because it was like, and you're going to go back. And and you're still here is the part that's confusing me. <laughs> so, so like you, you're gonna hide that shit, you know? Like exactly. I don't need no more judgment. <laughs> exactly. So also Robert took the stand because I guess all his shame finally wore off when she was on trial for murder about him getting robbed at um gunpoint. So she actually got an additional charge of us uh, of robbery with a deadly weapon. Did you say Robert with a deadly weapon? 
Did I say Robert? Robbery <laughs> with a deadly weapon. I was like, man, they really just snuck that one in there, huh? Whole different person. I mean, like whole I different time the period. Limitations are not up, but they did that. They, but that's what they do. They try to add on as many charges as they can. So now they were collecting some people, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we can get her a charge there. We can get her a charge there. Oh yeah." And it's like, damn, mm, she like, this ain't like, what we came here for. Exactly, I came here for murder. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about the murder. So. Um, the defense goes and they're like, we're not going to sit here and deny that she killed him. We all know she killed him. But why did she kill him? Because he was an abusive asshole. He physically, sexually and mentally abused her. You know, he degraded her when he speak, he beat up on her. He raped her and molested her all the time. Like just making her do whatever she didn't want to do, forcing her into anal sex, forcing her into oral sex. Like she was living a torturous and tumultuous life with this man. Um, the defense that they, they was like, she killed him in self-defense. She says on top of that, she's been suffering this ongoing breakdown. She's been on a living, living a mental breakdown for damn near her whole life from the female circumcision. Her father was abusive towards her. She's been raped and molested as a kid. She grew up in the ghettos and the slums of Cairo and had to deal with that shit. She's been from one abusive relationship to the next. And she's got battered women's syndrome. She was in the midst of a psychotic break. She has voices in her head. Like, you don't understand. So on December 10th, they put her on on the stand, right? She gets on the stand. She starts telling about from the beginning of the relationship he was abusive. She says, in that drive to Texas, he was like, if you don't do what I say, when, when they took that family road trip to go meet his family and friends, he said, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to kill you. And she said, and I believed him. I full on believed him. You know, so I got married to this man and I did what he asked me to do. But I think it also comes from like a place of survival too. like, what are my other options? This nigga is housing me, feeding me, clothing me. Literally feeding, fucking and financing. I always right. say I always say that, like, you can't tell me nothing unless you feed and fucking and financing me. <laughs> So, like, this is this is her lifeline. She continues saying, you know, what happened the night of the murder. And she says, my ancestors from Egypt, you know, they came and they told me that I had to do this. They said they were telling her what to do, what to do with the body. They took over her and she had no control. She starts telling on the stand. She's like, you know, telling how she was tied up. She goes all the way up into the stabbing. And then she's just like, and I... I don't know. I don't remember. She's like, I have no recollection. The next thing I remember, I snap back and there's body pieces everywhere. And I don't know where they came from. She's very consistent with this, the same story. I have to give her that. You know what I mean? And so then they're like, ma'am, the psychiatrist says you ate it. She says, I ate it. I would never. I'm not a cannibalist. You know what I'm saying? I did not eat this man. But now, who can you believe, right? He's in the fryer. The head was crisp. He's mixed in with the turkey. Did they even find the barber? Believe you, bro. Did they even find the? uh... They find like some chewed off spared ribs in the trash. You know, (gasps) right? My she gets off the stand. She's like, they're like, listen, these voices in her head, it's bullshit. She wants y'all to give her an insanity plea. So that's why she's sticking to this story. Ain't no ancient Egyptians talking to her ass. And then the defense rebuttals and are like, you know, they probably are. You know what I'm saying? The psychiatrist was like, that could have been a coping mechanism. You know, the voices in her head because of all the abuse and turmoil that she's going through. Probably voices in her head helping her cope with whatever she did, you know. 
but everybody's telling their story and it's up for the jury to decide. Okay, on December 18th, Omarman's attorney asked the jury to disregard the to disregard Bill's mutilation when considering the verdict because she was in a psychotic state and she wasn't rational. So it's like extreme crime of passion because like when it's a crime of passion, you can kind of argue like, oh, I blocked out because I was in so much distress. I was so upset. And... I think well, I think kind of- more crime of passion is less blacking out and more losing control. Like most of the times, they really they like yeah, I did it. I can't rage. believe I did it. She didn't even remember. She's like, <laughs> I was being attacked, and then there's body parts. Yeah, it's and rage. Just- it's straight up rage. January fourth, case goes to the jury. January twelfth, after six days of deliberating, they come back and they said, you know, we can't quite find her guilty of first degree murder but we'll give her the second. So right. she gets guilty of second degree murder. Um, citing, They said that there was insufficient evidence of premeditation. I agree. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, they also found her guilty of assaulting her former boyfriend with a gun. This is Mr. Robert Hansen. So she also got a little time for that. She was sentenced to 25 years to life and she would be eligible for yeah. parole first. She was up for parole first in 2006. She filed an appeal in 1995 and she lost. So when it was time for her to go up to the parole board in 2006, you know, she was ready. She was like, let me out. I've been redeemed. You know, I should have never been. No, she's, she's like, let me out. I should have never been in here in the first place. So when she was up for parole in 2006, she was denied. They said that she was, the commissioner found her unpredictable and said that she was a serious threat to public safety. And I guess the argument here is unpredictable because she needs help or unpredictable because she just is ruthless. You know what I mean? And then she goes up for parole again. She's eligible for parole. Maybe she got into some trouble while she was in, you know, they don't really report all the time what happens when you're in the prison wall. So maybe she got into some trouble in there and it was like, nah, girl, you acting up still. That is a possibility. Well, when she was up for parole in 2011, what they said was they had they had a lot of people come in for this one. I think his daughter spoke and his daughter was like, first of all, not only did you kill my dad, but you left us without a body to even mourn over, you know? And she was like, and I don't know how much time is enough time, but this ain't it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we still have nothing, you know? Uh, the prosecutor from the case comes back after all this time. It's like 2011. It's 20 years later. Um, he says that she refused to let go of any of the pain that anyone has ever caused her. Like, she's just holding on to it and it's building and escalating, right? He says, he says, this is one of the most gruesome and notorious crimes ever committed in Orange County. He said the victim was abused, defiled, mutilated during and after the offense. And his murder was carried out in a manner which demonstrates an, ex- an exceptionally callous disregard for human life. He also said that she was very crafty and criminally sophisticated and an enterprising individual. He was like, make no mistake. She will tell you anything you wish to hear for her own personal gain. They said she lacks total insight into her life commitment offense and has no remorse. And she should be kept in the maximum security prison and denied for parole. They said she's taken no advantage. 
They said she hasn't taken advantage of any of the programs that the prison has to offer, like, you know, any of those redemption programs. It's like, we just, we don't see you working to be a better person. We don't see you. She's still saying that she's not responsible. You know what I'm saying? She's like, like, it's still, oh, I was in an abusive relationship and I had a psychotic break and I didn't do it. My ancestors did it. She's still telling this story. So it's like, you're still not even owning up to it and be like, yeah, this man scared me. So I killed him. And you know what I'm saying? So they're like, no, keep her ass in there. She was denied for parole for another 15 years. So she will not be eligible for parole until 2026. It's coming up fast, girl. Coming up fast. The thing is, like, are they ever going to let her out? Because her name is just so big. A, what she did, right? (laughs) What she did was enough. But on top of that, like, for Thanksgiving, I have heard every year for Thanksgiving, girl, I hear your name so many times. They're not going to let you out. I don't think so. One of the most gruesome crimes in Orange County. They say, like, top 50. They're not letting you out on principle. (laughs) On principle. Just so that nobody will even think about doing that again. So if you thought that she was just sitting there lollygagging in prison, honey, you were absolutely wrong. She got married to a man in prison. He was in his 90s because, you know, she love a sugar daddy. She like him old, baby. (laughs) She... I used to say, I, when I was young and I, I used to say I was going to marry an old rich white man and once he died, take all his money. But I was just playing. <laughs> that was my middle school naivete. <laughs> like, so this man, he would come and visit her in prison. They got married. They had conjugal visits. Yes, she was giving the good, good to old dude. He was in a wheelchair. He was extremely elderly and he ended up passing away. And when he passed away, oh, honey. He left her with everything, everything, like his whole inheritance, all of his money, all of his homes, everything was gifts. Not his whole inheritance. <laughs> Not his her- inheritance. That's for your children, ain't it? <laughs> that means he inherited money and she's getting the money that he inherited. Listen, she he left, left his estate. She got and everything. Wealth and all that. Estate. That's the word I'm looking for. He left everything to her. But guess what? So she thinks up. Oh, one finally got the prize the government was like actually girl you can't touch it until you get out of prison nice try um so she really wants to get parole in 2022 because she got a fortune waiting on her she's going to be taken care of okay and she's ready to get out i heard when she gets out she has plans to move back to cairo and live with her mother she's gonna be like mom i'm taking you out the hood okay i'm gonna give us a better life all right yeah i mean isn't that the American dream. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal is to retire my mama. The American dream. Oh, y'all aren't going to know where that one's from, everybody. The American dream. All right, so now it is time for. Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I ain't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. I ain't do it, but if I did, first of all, I mean, there's so many things that she did wrong. First of all, going to Jose, but you could tell that she didn't know American like laws because they didn't have to check your vehicle. You could have told them no. You could have told them they didn't have to check your vehicle to start the guts. But well, even I, the Americans don't know the American laws. I mean, very true. But like, I just feel like she could have going and getting help from Jose was where you fucked up straight off the bat. Why would you for ever, sure never bring anybody else into your mess ever? All right, I ain't do it, but if I did, you're absolutely right. 
should have never enlisted Jose. If you even if you were going to bring someone, first of all, how many times have our murderesses asked a friend to help, and that friend been like, "Fuck you, you're not about to ruin my life." Okay, we have found out that a lot of these friends weren't they friends. Okay, right. Um, I'm down here. I'm down here for Thanksgiving with one of my best friends, and she told me straight up because I was telling her about the case. She was like, "Don't ever call me if you commit murder." I respect it. <laughs> now I know I'm gonna be scrolling through the list. <laughs> Not you. Not you. That's um, okay. I'd rather know. You know, I'd rather know I, who the because, real are. Listen, because I'd have been fucked up had I went to you, and now you telling on me. You know what I'm saying? At least I know now where we stand, and we have a chance to preserve our ties with each other. You know what I mean? Because exactly. once you let me down like that, we can't come back. Right. I'm in prison. <laughs> right. So I didn't do it, but if I did, yeah, she definitely. Jose was not her friend. Jose wasn't even kind to her friend. Should have never went in for the ass. I think she was doing a very good job. That was smart to go down the garbage disposal because I don't think that they was going to look there. Thing is, that bitch is loud. I think it would have been better. You know when she would have really got away with it? If they lived in a house. Because then nobody else would have heard that shit. And yes, she could have which... just stayed there. Just just shoving that shit down day after day. Like That was a lot of men be getting down there but i think had she just kept doing it quietly she might have could have at least yeah. gotten the body out the way right but, but doing it in an apartment with all that man he was a big fella he's a big guy and you still you could tell that she there was still some method to her madness like the reason that she really enlisted jose wasn't because of the body per se it was because she couldn't get those dentures out of his head like you know those ones that they'd be drilling them in them teeth that are almost semi-permanent Mm. veneers <laughs> he he had them permanent yes permanent. So, so she was trying to get those out of it so girl you better have done who who angela I don't angela with nobody teeth man me and my teeth were sensitive and angela's the one angela's the one that uh pulled teeth out with pliers the man mm-hmm. says she told you to do that and there was another thing like she told the psychiatrist that the reason that she chopped him up was because these ancestors told her that I guess and I guess this is you know I could be wrong I'm going off of what Omaima said Omaima said that in Egypt, Egyptian tradition if the body is chopped up then you can't go to the afterlife like you need the whole body to go to the afterlife and so which kind of relates with like Egyptian mummification like they want to preserve the body and keep oh, it all together right that's that's all I could it made sense from the limited what history. I do know about Egypt from, I mean, very right. little that I know my about limited Egypt. history on Egyptian on ancient Egyptian culture um I could I would buy I'd buy a vowel if she said that um all right parole or no parole because it's coming up girl um I think if they parole it they're gonna parole it to a mis- mental institution but I honestly Loki think that she should have been in the mental institution from the first place. Even a psychiatrist, actually. The psychiatrist was like, that girl needed help. And I think that I could have helped her. She said, people like that do not belong in jail. You know what I'm saying? It's not and like that's the this. big thing. Like people, She said to, jail is to, not the place for her and jail is not going to do her any good. It's not going to help her at all because she needs psych- psychiatric help. That's the thing. And a lot of people don't get that like a lot of people are just like oh it's um it's wrong bad they did wrong and wrong is wrong but we just don't know the state of somebody and i'm not trying to excuse what Obama did because child that was off the chain but if you look into (laughs) her past like she's had trauma from a very young age and trauma when it comes to 
sexuality and trauma when it comes to men. So the idea of it manifesting into what happened, I think it's is plausible. Yeah, I think it's, it's plausible. It's not far-fetched at all. Like, she's been mutilated. <laughs> she has been abused. She's been tied up. And then for her body to just break and be like, everything that everybody's given me, I'm just about to lay it all off on you, boy. You know what I mean? That's not, it's not super outlandish response you know but like for somebody who's really going through it you know what I mean and that's what she I think the psychiatrist was trying to land on is that it was a psychiatric break you know what I'm saying and this was like a breakdown this was not I'm a regular person and this is what I think is right you know this she's like I really think I could have helped her and that's the thing is when people miss the help that can be given yeah all right y'all I think that that's our episode is that the parts we do? Parole? Oh, that was parole or no parole? Mm-hmm. Oh, and we said, did you say your parole? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I th- I agree. I think she needs to go into a mental institution. That I I know that she's going to be so pissed about that because I know she's just like, ooh, 2026. Let me get I'm my money. Get my fortune. <laughs> but girl, it's not coming. Like, uh, and, and I do not think that they're happy that they, she has... <laughs> from in jail found another man to fall in love with her and give him all of her things so i think even regardless if they say hey you redeemed yourself or you've gotten psychiatric help or you've tried the programs and you're taking accountability i don't think there's anything she can do because if she gets out she wins if she gets out and has that fortune and doesn't have to fuck another nigga ever for the rest of her life and she'll still be taken care of then she wins you know what i mean and i don't think they'll ever allow that for her so i don't think she's ever getting out I agree. All right, y'all. Let's do reviews. Okay. This review says it's from Child I'm Hooked with a T. Okay. <laughs> it says, I can't seem to stray away from these episodes. I love it. I love it. I love. Keep doing y'all thing. Thank you so much. This one says, y'all did that. This podcast is so good. I feel like I'm with my homegirls when I listen to y'all. There's a natural chemistry you two have, and I can feel the bond between you. I door dash <laughs> most nights, and best believe I am turning, tuning in during my drives. Keep up the great work, sisters. You deserve all the light. Much love. Thank you so much. Thank you. Peace Thank to you. Because, but I started door, doing DoorDash too, for my little side hustle, y'all, and you definitely need something to listen to. When I tell y'all, we listen to books on tapes, podcasts, everything. So y'all tell y'all homies. Alrighty. If you want to keep up with the podcast, you can email us at sisters who kill at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at sisters who kill. You can follow us on TikTok at sisters who kill podcast. Follow us on Instagram at sisters who kill pod. If you can join the discussion group, please make sure you answer all the questions so that I can make sure that you're not a fake, a fraud, a phony and how, um, <laughs> and that's all I have to and say. And if you want to be a part of our episodes, Oh, that's right. Make sure that you click over to the anchor link and you can leave us a voice memo. You can send us a voice memo saying your I ain't do it. But if I did, this is how I would get away with it for any of your favorite episodes. All right. Anything else, friend? Talk to us. We talk back. Bye.